0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in today. Today in the podcast, we have Tyler Tanner, which is super unfortunate because he has two first names, so can't trust anything he has to say. But we had a fantastic time with him. So honestly, this was a great podcast. Really informative, really knowledgeable guy. Uh, looking forward to doing a few more with these down the road. Great to had some awesome beers. So we learned a lot about them. In the future, we're doing a French wine tasting coming up soon, uh, as well as we will be sitting down with Fred Scherer from Scherer Wineries out in Santa Rosa. So we look forward to having you guys listen to us. Anyways, take care. Have a good day, guys. Enjoy the show. You want all the feedback. Yeah, man. I don't I know how you're comfortable having one on your ear and one off your ear. Well, so I listen
1: to like a lot of Joe Rogan. And he's always just like, You're a professional if you go one on, one off.
0: That's so like, weird. Like DJs do that. They hold one headphone to their ear. Yeah. Like the other's open. I don't understand that either. <laughs> I've nobody's been on our show yet that's ever done that. No, yeah, you're the first. You're the first person to put one <laughs> one on, one off. So it's and like, it's behind your ear and too. I think mean, it makes kind sense
1: of. too. Like I can hear I can hear the feedback through oh, the so microphone echoey. in here, but like I can just have a normal conversation outside of it too.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, hey, do you <laughs> do you boo boo? Yeah, it's fine. Like, the more the, the more people you meet, the more like little quirky things <laughs> that everybody will do.
2: Yeah, I've never heard that though. I mean, I've heard Joe Rogan talk about like um, people not using cases on their phones. Like every genius he's had on the, or, like billionaire
0: genius has never had a case on their phone. Oh yeah. Well, I want to make a bet that every billionaire genius on his phone or uh, on his podcast, they constantly break them and they just have multiple backups. Very without true. any Care in the world. Oh yeah, they have a phone mm-hmm. for every day of the week too. Do they probably have like their own little Apple or Samsung store, like right by their house, that just supplies hand them, whoever.
2: Do you ever see that? The uh, Dana White he uses flip phones still,
0: <laughs> because
2: he's like the amount I'm on my phone. He goes. Uh, smartphone will be dead in an hour. He's like, those little, these little phones, the flip phones, he goes, they last all day long. I could talk on it all day and never have to recharge it.
0: Oh, interesting. That's actually smart. Yeah. I mean, what point with everybody calling you, I guess you really wouldn't need a smartphone.
2: Well, you got to think with some
1: of these rich single guys too, like Alex Rodriguez for years, like that guy or Derek Jeter, they had 500 phone numbers because they had to keep all their girls separate on all their different phones. That and
0: after a while too, you know, you've given your phone number out so many times that you're just like, who the fuck is calling me now? (laughs) yeah it's a lot
1: of new phone who dis i know
2: (laughs) well there's always a saying in italy that you know all italian men have two phones one for the wife one for the girlfriend yeah
0: i'm pretty sure there was a rap song about two phones i can't remember what the lyrics were but i very much remember one for was like one for drugs and one for Oh, the lyrics will come to me halfway through this fucking show and i'll just sing it out loud when i remember
1: Either way i'm waiting if you're in rhythm and like have it done i'll be very impressed Probably at some point. It'll happen. Perfect. And
2: then when we drink, the more lyrics come to me. <laughs> there you go. So, oh, yeah. Great Divide Brewing. Yeah. My first ever experience with this brewery ever was just stumbling into it up in Denver one day and had the funniest tour of my entire life in there. They fucked with me so bad. They came out and they were like, all right, who wants to take a tour? And we're like, all right, we'll take a tour. And everybody at the bar filled up a beer, started taking a tour. We get back into the grain room. Guy sitting on top of the big thing of grains or something starts telling the story about how the building used to be, like, an orphanage, and there was a fire, and the building burned down, and all these orphans died, and the city didn't know what to do with the property. And, like, you could see people, like, tearing up as he's explaining this. All of a sudden, he just breaks, and he goes, no, i am just fuck with you. It was, like, a tire factory. (laughs) Like, I don't know, what was the building beforehand, you know? It was actually a, as most breweries are, a
1: milk production. Facility. No shit. Yeah, most breweries, because you build it for insulation, you're building it, uh, you have all the equipment already kind of set up for production in there. Um, So, yeah, it was and, an old milk. And those high-pitched roofs and everything for all yep. the tanks. That's how most are. There were a lot of bands that would go in and do practice in there, too. Uh, So, we actually, our owner... When he started the brewery in 94 to kind of keep the bills paid, he would himself uh, rent the backspace out at nighttime for bands to practice in and everything. So we had an old wall in the very back that's been graffitied by all the bands that's really that cool. used to go in there and
2: practice. It was pretty sweet. Do you guys still do concerts at the brewery?
1: No concerts at the brewery. Uh, we're kind of filled. That's <laughs> It's an older building, and it is. We've had to do a lot of innovation over the years with construction to get all of the tanks and everything to fit. Uh, we moved a handful of our bright tanks outside. We've got a nice little 14. Uh, 80 barrel bright tank farm outside the building that's all insulated. Um, and we've had to redo our roof and our floors twice actually over the last 28 years just to be able to fit larger tanks in there and get more and more space out of it. Like, so it's been pretty the, interesting. It's like
0: cracking from all the weight or something, oh, or it's is it just, like all wood? no,
1: just like. Expansion, just like needing bigger tanks, yeah.
0: needing more room for tanks. So you only have the one brewery, like there's no other additional production facility. Somewhere? We've just
1: got the one brewery. We just sold our Rhino facility where we were doing packaging out of. Um, we've still got a bar in our barrel private event space at the Rhino facility. That's really great, but uh we sold that building and we're back doing everything in Arapaho, two blocks away from Coors Field, right in the heart of downtown Denver. Where most uh, beer drinkers go into Mecca, which is Denver, tend to stumble in,
2: and they're drunk, or they're drunk by the time they leave there. <laughs> Man, I'm to think. I think we were at the Rhino one. Yep. Right, right, Rhino stands for something. It's uh... River North. Denver's
1: really bougie. Uh-oh. Phoenix is kind of <laughs> catching up, too. Le- learned Denver, that through uh, South Park. Yeah, so Denver. ho <laughs> Denver's pretty bougie, and every neighborhood's got a nickname in Denver.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely noticed I have a few down with everything, sort of like a half-cut-down acronym of each area. Oh, yeah.
1: they uh, There's LODO, Lower Downtown. It's just like they're <laughs> too lazy to enunciate the words, but it sounds really cool. Like Lodo. They came up with, yeah,
2: East Broadway, I guess, like Colfax. There was a restaurant out here called Noka, which stood for uh, North of Camelback. Is that really what NOCA stands for? Yeah, N-O-C-A. I have lost all respect for NOCA. NOCA <laughs> yeah, uh, Witch, the sandwich shop? Yeah. Yeah, that's what was their, they were on 32nd and Camelback, okay. just north of the
0: uh, Camelback. Dude, when did these like sort of cut-down pronunciations come in? Because the only time I ever saw it was any California people. They had SoCal. It was always SoCal for the longest time. Oh, SoCal, I'm SoCal. And then people were like, well, we're NorCal. And you're like, now all of a sudden, it's just cut-down names everywhere I go. I mean, what are they
2: calling Rosa- Ro-Ro? Yeah, Ro-Ro oh, Roosevelt?
0: Man. Ro, ro. Yeah, ro, ro. Roosevelt. Which sounds so Ro-Ro. bad. Was well, it? like
1: I can deal with SoCal and NorCal, like yeah. you say it. Like it's funny being from California myself, but like it's when ever you meet somebody who's not from California that calls it Cali. Cali, I just like it's cringeworthy. You don't like Cali? Like, no, uh, Cali. Is from just Cali? A, nobody from California calls Cali. So the Cali. entire country <laughs> calls y'all
0: Cali, and then you. What go about LL like, oh. Cool J? Like, L- you're,
1: going, you're going back to Cali? Oh man. That's it's okay in song lyrics, but
0: so, it's okay it's in song lyrics. In but in
1: a normal conversation, like northern you can say no like I send a lot of emails because I work in Southern California and I say so cal in my emails, but I would never be like, Yeah, I'm I'm I'd never in a conversation with you be like I'm going to Cali next week. You sound like an idiot when you say that. You're like it's like, you know how I know you're not from California?
0: Oh, dude, we don't have any stuff like that out here. Okay. No, honestly, we should just start terribly naming the things amount of times I say Cali. God, all the time, dude. <laughs> I'm just gonna start saying, if I ever go to Colorado, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to Rado just Rado. to annoy people. Yeah, Colo, Colo, you go, know, John Denver. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Phoenix. You can't really dumb down. Yeah, can we go? I'm going to Finn. Like, shut up. I hope you get run over. Going to the
1: PHX, man. Zona, maybe, but that's Zona. even dumb. Just but like, then that makes me think of U of A, and that's just terrible, right? Oh, there. dude,
0: they're the worst. They're the
1: worst. It's just a bunch of pussycats. Do you guys have them losing in uh, like a 16 1 upset in your brackets. No. I was really tempted to.
0: I think I have them in the final four. I mean, oh. they're really good.
2: Yeah. I Pac really... 10 bows
0: out early. Yeah. Dude, Pac 10 always gets wiped in any tournament. Yep. I think in like every sport. Dude, the bowl games, they went 0 9 or something this year. <laughs> so bad. Pac 12, Pac 10. Yeah. <laughs> Some of those, are, I'm, I'll never stop saying it. Like, what, Big 10,? I, I don't honestly know the rest. I, know AC, I, I only know the SEC because it might as well just be an NFL franchise at this point. Yeah. It's like the minor leagues for the NFL. What's the big one in Denver? I know Boulder is, uh, what is it, the Bison or the Buffalo? Or They're whatever. the Buffalo.
1: And then up in Fort Collins, uh, Fort Fun, is Colorado State. Did you just call it Fort Fun? Fort Fun. <laughs> what, what makes it Fort Fun? Have you ever been to Fort Fun? Uh-uh. Nope. Oh, man, Sarah's Sarah's best friend just bought a house up in there. So eventually, yes, it's stunning up there. Like, it's so pretty. Uh, Downtown Main Street USA at Disney is based on downtown Fort Collins. Like, it's such a cool little city. Uh, It's got tons of breweries. I mean, some of the biggest breweries out of Colorado are based there. And they're right across the street from each other. Odell and New Belgium are Mm -hmm. right there. It's just beautiful. It's everything you would expect out of small town, beautiful mountain town USA. Plus delicious beer. Just really friendly people. It's only 50 minutes from Denver.
0: It's really cool. It amazes me that you have a place like Denver where people can constantly think about how amazing the beers come out of there. Fort Collins, Denver. What's just South of Colorado Springs? Like, you know, the whole mountain range. And then you go over it and you hit Utah and there's like 10. Looks <laughs> yeah. like it. The water supply coming out of the Rockies is amazing, but they just all ended up Denver.
1: It's funny. I, I sell... Beer in Utah as well. And I've had some really fantastic beer in Utah uh, from local breweries. It's just a lot of lagers and pilsners because they can't put anything in a keg that isn't that essentially. That's true. I forget about the laws. Definitely screw that up. The 5% law is really difficult. So some of the IPAs that you have on draft just aren't good. I don't ever go out there with the intention of drinking an IPA on draft. But I've had really great IPAs in cans. that are. What's funny there, too, is they take... A like balls to the wall approach. If they're gonna brew an IPA, it's gonna be like an eight percent West Coast <laughs> IPA. Salt Sol- is that way. Salt Sol- Fire, yep, yeah. Sol- Fire and they're great people at Salt and they've made some really fantastic beer. And they sell the eight percent IPA West Coast IPA yeah, kegs yep. out here in Arizona. And it's, so it's like they just go balls to the wall with it, or they're just putting really good pilsners and <laughs> lagers. I was and, gonna say
0: they're the black lager we have is heavy metal parking lot, and it's six point six six. Yeah, purposely awesome. So.
2: I mean, our buddy went to go visit Sawfire Brewing up there, and he wanted to do a flight. And they're like, sorry, we don't have anything on draft. He goes, well, can I do a flight of 16-ounce cans? And they're like, sure. (laughs) Like, how screwed up are the laws up there when, like, sorry, we can't put it on draft because we're going to serve you too much. But we'll give you five cans at the same time. Hey, Oh, yeah. It's like water. It'll find a way.
1: That's what, And that's what I always tell people is when I go to Utah, um, I'd rather drink beer over cocktails.
2: I mean, good water, like John said. Good water. Yeah. But
1: I'm also, I'm the kind of cocktail drinker that I want to drink like a three or four, like two to three ounces of booze. And there's only allowed to be two ounces.
0: Is that how and that booze. works? Is like they yeah. literally have like, all right, you've had your one cocktail drink your ton. Go go drink all your beer. Per <laughs> cocktail, there's only allowed to be two ounces of liquor. What?
1: So, and I'm a, like a tiki fanatic. Oh, and yeah. so I'm like, oh, if I want a zombie that's got four ounces of liquor in it like I can't do that here or it's going to be a hat. it's going to be like minimal pours
2: shorty <laughs> So everything. Negronis
0: are out the window <laughs> yeah, a, 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 sh-
2: a shot glass with a fucking little umbrella in it <laughs> out the I, damn like, no, I honestly bueno. can't
0: think of a ton of alcohol that off the top of my head I'd be able to drink in a cocktail form Good job, Utah. Way to go, guys. Way to go, Utah. On the other side of the mountains, Denver's like, let's get high as shit, drunk as fuck,
1: and do whatever. (laughs) But Salt Lake may be the most beautiful city in America. Yeah. Like, it is so pretty. And the streets are wide. It's clean. Like, they take care of their homeless population there. It's 30 minutes to Park City, like a drive. Yeah. Into Park City, into the mountains. When you go into Denver, and I love Denver. I mean, I get out there frequently for work. But when you go into Denver... It's still 45 minutes, an hour, hour and a half to Breckenridge into the mountains and the beauty, like beautiful ski towns. When you go into Salt Lake, you it's have a right 30 there. minute hike and it's not like traffic. Like I drove down from Park City at like 530 in the afternoon and there was no traffic to get back into Salt Lake.
0: That's the one crazy thing about us. Like for our skiing resort, we have two. It's Sunrise and... And what snowball, snowball. and snowball. snowball's a nightmare to get into at times. Yep. Also, if there's an accident on the 17, your your day is done. You're done.
1: But in in Salt Lake, in Denver, like you can look in certain directions and there are beautiful mountain ranges. In Salt Lake, no matter where you are in the city, you look around and there's mountain ranges. Yeah. Like it's stunning. There are ski resorts everywhere in that city. Plus, they're fanatics about their sports. They're awesome. They're committed to the jazz. They have a MLS team with a beautiful stadium. They have a beautiful minor league baseball stadium. They're huge about their Utes. Um, they're just like I've worked with my distributor out there, and they're all diehard sports fans. Like they're big into it, and it's just a it's a weird city. <laughs> if I wanted to have a family. I would be like, let's go live in Salt Lake because it's the largest beautiful. suburban city in the yeah, world. Yeah, it's the largest Phoenix. suburban. Like, you uh,
0: feel safe when you're there. Like, it's beautiful. I, honestly, uh, my, my buddy Jeff, who played for the Portland Trails Base, a few other NBA teams, he always said the Utah Jazz was one of the loudest stadiums he yep. ever played in. They're fanatics. Yeah.
1: You go up to BYU, you watch an ASU BYU game, and it's like these kids are all screaming at the top of their lungs, and they're not even using profanity. But they're like screaming at you, and they're super loud. Got to let all that non, yeah.
0: <laughs> non-drinking energy out yeah, somehow. I know
1: they're sobering, yelling at it's you. Sober. What they're saying, what <laughs> they're
0: saying, makes sense. I was gonna say it's way more articulate and way more <laughs> offensive, probably. <laughs> Damn, they're
1: taking <laughs> shots at your family
0: that are like actually true. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, dude. I remember when I was in college, the first uh, like craft beer that i was able to try might have actually been great to buy there's a little shop down the street you know a uh, star liquor mart farm oh, over yeah. here and you guys had i'm pretty sure it was you guys titan ipa right yep yeah so it was the titan ipa whatever the blue label was and i think colette was always in the mixed four it was like 12 pack and four different bottles and we would just pound through those at our house it was you and stone, like, a great divide in stone like the first two like beers i was like oh shit like these are different
1: it was probably can ammonium. Cannemonium's always been one of our top sellers it's like a mixed variety pack and it was denver pale titan and Collette. those are it just... might have been the pale ale yep. yeah
0: yeah because the Collette's the yellow one right yep it's funny i can remember from the colors more than i can like certain other things so. it's all
1: right you were drunk by the time you consumed it so yes. i don't expect you to absolutely remember. that's all that matters it was value because you were a college student and you could buy it and it was delicious and it got the job done
0: it's very true. Yeah, between you, Stone, and uh, who's does Ranger, Voodoo, all that. New Belgium. That's it. Yeah, it's not a bad. Those were the to three that were like you know that you could find everywhere for inexpensive pricing for good IPAs.
1: Yep, get some good beers and get the job done.
0: All right. So, all. how long have you been with Great Divide now?
1: I'm going on July will be year four for me. Yeah, so year four uh, started as an Arizona sales rep. Covered the entire state, which looking back on it now, it was a lot when I first started. The whole and state, now, yeah. Now I'm like, oh man, if I could go back to just covering the whole state, that that'd be a walk in the park. <laughs> so uh, moved into an area manager role where I took on Utah, and then eventually into a Southwest sales manager role where now I cover Southern California, which is Cali, a beast, Cal. Cali. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh Cali <laughs> southern california and then uh, Utah and Arizona. So it's it's uh it doesn't it doesn't suck. Now my th- territory like it doesn't suck cuz my work trips consist of going to San Diego, LA, Salt Lake City or back to the home base which is Denver. So awesome. s-
2: selling up in Utah, that's a state controlled market. So are you I've dealt with wines up there, not beers. So, are you selling? Are you having brokers then work the market for you up there? Is that how your how beer works? Because you don't have a distributor per se, right? We do. You we do. have distributors just like we do everywhere else. Uh, the
1: distributors bring in the product, even if it's over five percent alcohol, they bring it in and they just sell it to the state stores at that point. But when you have a beer that's five percent and under, like Car Camper. Uh, hazy pale ale and wild raspberry ale, they can actually sell it directly to the bars and to the liquor stores around town.
0: Are the liquor stores not state controlled? Or... The liquor
1: stores are state controlled by liquor stores, I should say the grocery stores and okay. the
0: convenience stores. It's so weird to me, is it's just the thought of it like, okay, I can't sell, like, I can't imagine you coming here. And not being able to sell, you had to go to, like, the city of Scottsdale to be like, hey, we want to go put it in that store. Like, that thought is weird to me.
1: It's weird. But when I come to you and bring you lighter beers, I can sell it to you. Yeah. Directly. And that's what makes it really nice. Because then if you as a bar owner have to buy or want to buy something that's over 5% alcohol, you physically have to
0: drive to the state liquor store and pick that product up. Oh, so they don't even have, like, a distribution company at that point. Like, it, like I, if I go, hey, cool, I want to get this Yeti, I've got to go drive and pick the stuff up? From the liquor store. What? And they charge individually. Oh,
1: that sucks. They don't charge by the six pack or by, so they're taking a 30%, like, 30 to 40% price increase of what they bought it from, which is pretty high. Damn, what a monopoly that is. In their t- like, so the state is making a killing on liquor and then uh the mormon church then you have to just barely get by essentially the mormon church yeah yeah you have to barely just get by selling it a little bit above that because it's already been marked up an arm and a leg uh so it's pretty crazy because and you have to go pick it up so say you want to buy the nice thing is you can really control your inventory at that point if you only want to go buy eight cans of something you go buy eight cans of something uh but they're also closed on sunday so if you want if you're out of something, you had a crazy Saturday oh. night and you wanna go get it Sunday for your consumers,
2: you gotta wait till Monday. Massachusetts is that way. There's a mad rush. At like eleven o'clock to hit up every single liquor store you can to buy whatever you need for Sunday football stuff like that. You can't buy any booze in Boston on Sundays.
0: What? Yeah, of all places, that nope. one actually blows. You have, my to bu- mind. you have
2: to buy everything on Saturday night because otherwise you can king get anything to Monday. So if you drink all your beer at your house, you can't go to the store and buy more on Sundays. I never
0: realized how huge of a bubble I am in until people like yourselves come along. Like from you, obviously, Damien, coming from supplier side with wine, and obviously you coming from the beer side that you have to deal with all these things. Yep. So like, as the average person, to me, if I go to a bar, I'm like cool thanks for the beer meanwhile the guy behind was like yeah i had to drive like 10 miles to some warehouse to pick the shit up yeah. in kansas
2: the restaurants have to buy their wine from retailers like so they Safeway have to go, they have to go pick it up yeah oh shit so there's no way to tell because we, we would track to see what accounts bought certain things but you can't do that in kansas because you sit like this one giant retailer buys it and then all the restaurants when you need wine for your restaurant you run out of your cabernet on friday night you have to go buy it at the store and pay like special retail pricing. So like it's retailed
0: with a discount basically. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, cuz I know out here most people get the 1 liter bottles so it shows you didn't buy from a retail shop. So which yeah.
2: Every state has different laws. It's nuts. I mean, Utah's got some of the toughest. You can't even drive across state lines into Utah with beer in your
0: car. Dude, you can't fly. I've had I've had, had wine f- taken out of my bag because yep. I landed in Salt Lake City. And I wasn't even la- like I so I came from Washington. And I had had a bunch of wine in my bag, uh, so underneath Landed in Salt Lake, got to Phoenix, my wine was gone. And they left a note in there and they were like, you you basically can't transport through here with this. Yep. So yep. I I don't ever fly well, through like, Salt Lake. Yeah.
1: Ever. The first time I ever flew into Salt Lake for work, uh, we had packed beer. And we basically got there. And the next day I was like reading through all the liquor laws. I was like, oh, guys, we just broke the law yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> like, we brought, we, because we brought samples for our distributor. I was going to ask how you do so samples like, out there. We brought samples for our distributor, and it wasn't like we were dispersing them to accounts or anything like that. But we were like, it's like, shit, we just broke the law yesterday. <laughs> so then we ended up moving forward, just shipping it on trucks. Like, we put it with all of our beer. But that's a, when I go back to Salt Lake, is this crazy sports fanatic town. Uh, that's the whole reason they don't have an NFL team. Like Salt Lake would be a perfect place to build an NFL stadium. It's beautiful. Like they get the cold weather games. It's easy to get in and out of there. Their airport is super central and mm-hmm. located downtown. But uh, they just they couldn't survive. Like the NFL couldn't survive with liquor sales. Yeah. A so at a game so on Sunday. I wonder how much
0: the the Jazz Stadium ends up selling. Like probably not much at all. I don't
1: think they book many Sunday home games. I would assume. That's
0: an interesting point.
2: Uh, Indiana is the same way. There's no booze. You can't sell booze anywhere in Indiana on Sundays except for two spots.
0: In Col- the whole state of Indiana?
2: Colts games. I was, I and, and, the, and the 500.
0: Indianapolis uh, Raceway. Okay. Those are
2: the only two places that can sell booze on Sundays. <laughs> the, the those exceptions. rednecks really need yeah. their beer on Sundays. <laughs> man. Yeah. They made an exception for those two. Of course oh, they did. Oh, I always bring up, look at Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels is actually made in a dry county. Yep. I would assume that going
1: back to it, the uh, Indianapolis Raceway on the Indy 500 probably sells more beer than a Holmes Colts game does. Um, like, it might that
2: sell day. more beer than some states sell in a year. <laughs> <true>. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, like Bush Light.
0: Yeah, dude, I'm amazed they just don't have one giant fermenting tank out there, and Bud Light just sponsors it. and It's like, yeah, just tap that, just keep it going, <laughs> just 24 seven.
1: Here's a hundred barrel tank, and let's hope it gets us through the first hundred miles.
0: Oh yeah, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> either. so what,
2: one thing I always appreciate about Great Divide is you guys make a lot of fun alternate style beers, and you stick to it, and you put these in your core beers. Where right now it's kind of everybody's like, oh, here's my hazy IPA, here's my other hazy IPA, here's my other hazy IPA, oh, oh, here's have- my double
0: hazy IPA, and I have a pale ale that's yeah. hazy.
2: Where you guys like your flat like the beer that I was drinking regularly with you guys was always the Colette. That was my go-to at my house for a long time. I love that beer. And for you guys to make that like a core, that's pretty awesome. Like, not a lot of people are doing that. Something for everyone.
1: That's what we really uh, build our brand off of, is that we brew something for everyone. And it's great. It's been great for me. I spent a lot of years as a beer buyer prior to working for a brewery. And to go into a brewery and know that we have a plethora of beer, but that it's all good beer too. Like there's there's some styles that we brew that aren't my favorite beers. Like I I don't love everything. I love West Coast IPAs. I'm from Southern California, that's kind of how that goes. Yeah, and Cali hand. does like their IPAs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm going to make a beer that just says stop calling my beer cal- stop calling my state Cali <laughs> <laughs> Lo- Low Cali beer. <laughs> low Cali beer. <laughs> <laughs> Cali beer. Uh, <laughs> no cat no, no cali, cali yeah.
0: drinkers we'll come up uh, with something here and, yeah. at some point
1: we've got we've got it uh we'll put that on the hot plate keep it going so yeah just having a variety of styles uh and someone to fill out a draft menu or a package menu i always go into uh get to work with really great partners like you guys and it's like all right like what do you need because I've got something for whatever you need. There are a lot of people who are out there just pushing what's the newest, coolest IPA. We yeah. make fantastic IPAs. I like take a lot of pride in our Hazy and in Titan, which is such a flagship and classic brand. But not everyone needs an IPA every day of the week. So to be able to come in and offer Colette a Belgian farmhouse, at, like in how delicious and readily available it is. Or now awesome. Wild Raspberry, our top beer is Strawberry Rhubarb, a Kettle Sour. Just being able to, and then always having Imperial Stouts available. And Imperial Stouts that are available that aren't going to break the bank.
2: Yeah. And 100%. I always, we, we get a lot of beers here offered to us that are insanely expensive. Oh, my God. Look at Anchorage Brewing. I'm um, Just to bring them up, for example, is, I think it's like their Wendigo. People in town sell that for $50 a bottle
0: which yeah for a stout that's listen, insane like I, I, I get some things but damn like yeah. you,
2: you could buy that maybe once a year you want to buy that but people can drink your beers weekly because yeah. they're affordable
0: and coming in like the yetis coming in at like what a 19 was it nineteen two?
2: 2 the 19 yep. boys?
0: and you know we'll have people crack it open and pour it amongst three four people and be happy yep. and shit have you guys them.
2: always done the nineteen two, or was that something you guys started doing like Around the pandemic? Nope. It was actually
1: prior to that, probably back in twenty nineteen, we made the move from everything glass, uh, that did upset some people with twelve ounce yeti bottles, moving them into twelve ounce yeti cans. But we just got rid of glass. Uh we've been really fortunate to kind of get ahead over the years on making sure that we're doing our part to take care of the environment. And a lot of that is moving back to moving back to plastic and even We've got a complete rebrand coming up uh, with all of our brands for at the brewery. And we're going to be stickering our cans because thanks to Ball, like so many other breweries, <laughs> uh, they can't order <laughs> their wrapped cans anymore. Uh, and it's not common knowledge that it, you can't recycle a can that has a sticker on it because that sticker makes it unrecyclable. So we're going to be calling out on the corner of the sticker to remove here to a sticker. Peel, peel here Peel here. So that this can becomes recyclable and we're going to put like Easter eggs on the back of the sticker and Easter eggs on the can itself to make it like a fun, enticing. incentivize to... people to do
0: it is always yep. good. Like maybe one person in every million gets a free tour of the brewery and gets told that it's a burned down orphanage. Yep, exactly.
2: Oh, we were talking earlier about session loggers. <laughs> we, we we used to buy those because they had rock, paper, scissors under the caps. Yep. Oh, not the style. Yeah, uh, the little shorty they're bottles. Called, they're, yeah, the little yeah. session loggers. I forgot about those
1: were. things. Sessions? They look like the red stripe yeah. beers yep. for Yep, exactly. Session Cerveza, when that came out, I rocked with that at my bars for so long because that was such a fantastic Mexican lager, and it just came in the stubby. The mm-hmm. little
0: stubbies, yeah.
2: And it was perfect. Literally, you wouldn't open one by yourself. You'd always grab a friend and be like, hey, because it was rock, paper, scissors underneath yeah. the, the
0: bottle caps. And everybody got happy when it tied up and had another. Yeah, full sale still to this day makes who that, that is full beer. sale? Yep. Okay. I'm liking this. So, the first one I grabbed was this wild raspberry.
1: Is this a new one? This is our newest year round. We just launched this beer on March 1st. Uh, however, we've been working on it for about the last year at the brewery. This is a beer that we did back in like 2001 to 2011, and we discontinued it. And when we pulled our whole entire staff at the brewery uh, last year, and asked, "Hey, what classic great divide beer?" Because we don't want to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, there, like there are so many other people reinventing the wheel. We'd rather go back and make something that, because having been around for 28 years, there we get questions all the time. Can't tell you how many times I get asked about espresso OKHDY, uh, but uh, this was the beer that everyone said they wanted to see us do again. And fortunately, as the trends kind of continue, fruited ales are highly popular right now like i already said strawberry rhubarb is our number one selling year-round beer and then our number one selling seasonal beer is roadie a grapefruit rattler
0: i was gonna say the roadie man when you first when we first met you or at least i I don't know if you, but when i first met you you had the the six pack of the roadie to try i was like dude i gotta get this." this is one of like the easiest drinking beers i had and it was probably one of the first 90 100 degree days we had and it was just perfect for it
1: it's perfect for it and what's so funny is we've always had a reputation at great divide of making like Big in-your-face beers. When I first started selling beers for the company, I was selling Yeti, a 9.5% Imperial Stout. I was selling Colette, which at that time was 7.3%. We've dropped it down to 6.5% claymore which was 7.7 percent
0: claymore that was the uh, the scotch ale the scotch
1: ale I, I, I tried to bring that in actually for this uh, i forgot no more that. we had to say goodbye to in order to make room for wilder Raspberry at it the brewery sense. we had to say goodbye to claymore really is it and now then, a
0: seasonal thing or is it, it
1: won't it's just gonna take
2: some time away maybe the, in 10 years from now in a couple of years they'll vote for what beer they want to bring back Scot- like yeah. what retro and beer a, and what, David, be-
0: was it you say the the Absence was it Absence make the heart grow fonder fonder.
1: exactly and that's what happened with wild raspberry so when we when we brought back wild raspberry uh we wanted to brew it to be a little bit lighter it used to be like 5.8 percent back in the day we wanted to just be like a readily available easy drinking beer we had pretty much our base recipe down in september entered it to gabf the great american beer festival won a silver medal for it we're like hey I think we we did the right thing by choosing this beer, and then uh, just back in February, it won over at the World Beer Cup as well. Dude, that's awesome! What category is it? Like fruited it's a fruit beer fruit and it like ale,
0: fruited ale, fruited ale? Fruit ale. Fruit ale. Yep, that's awesome, so, man!
1: It's a really fantastic beer. I'm super excited. It just became available. Uh, you guys know, fruit beers here in Arizona just always crush it. I, I, mean, I mean,
0: we see it a million times on this thing, but like having the neighborhood that we do and having people constantly come and going, dude, I like your menu because it's diverse and it's just not. Heavily IPA focused so it gives people the chance to try, you know, a raspberry ale, a Colette farmhouse ale. Like I, I didn't think Saison's would do, saison would saison would do well, but we burned through the kegs like all the time, and I didn't think that many people liked those style of beers until we opened this place. And now, eventually, like I'm starting to kind of like them.
2: So, is this your answer to the Princess Yum Yum up in your market, oh, Princess man. Yum Yum? What is <laughs> Princess <laughs> Yum Yum? <laughs> well. I'll, I'll show you denver. after the show it's uh denver beer Co. is this is this a, like not safe work thing we got to do <laughs> no. princess yum yum is uh
0: <laughs> i think princess yum yum
2: was... just keep saying it oh. <laughs> i want to make this my ring tone when you call me now it's just gonna be like princess yum yum
1: <laughs> i don't want to go on any record saying it but i think princess yum yum was denver beer co's answer to Wilder raspberry okay. back in the day princess yum yum what a ridiculously fun name. It's <laughs> it's crazy, and it
2: does really well. It's really um, popular up in the market. I mean, I was up there for the fish shows a couple of years ago, and I bought some. I'd never had it before, mm-hmm. and I was walking around with it. And people were like, "Oh my god, I love that beer!" Like I ended up
0: giving half of them away because people were super excited that I even had them. It's like it, lining, not lining. kugel. was a yingling it, it, kind it, of a thing. It, it, where... it's, it's a
2: fruited ale.
0: Okay, yeah, but it'd be like like on a on a culty little level. Yeah,
2: it reminds me almost in a way of like uh, back of the day when I was drinking those magic hats.
0: Oh, I remember Magic Hat because yeah.
2: that's like a fruited. It's not a sour. It's like a fruited beer that's mild. Yeah, um, easy drinking. You know what? For me, it's parking lot beers. If you're at a yep. concert, it's afternoon, suns up. Fruited beers like this are really refreshing. Did yeah, you crush do all me? the
0: Four Peaks Peach Ales all yeah. the time? Yeah. If you're
1: doing them right, and that's what I was gonna say earlier. Like you, in Arizona, like you've seen a long history of fruited ales success. Four Peaks Peach was such a classic brand here for so long, and it still is. Uh, You see a lot of orange wheats out in the market. Blue Moon still crushes it in Arizona. Shock top, yeah. Um, The most comparable for this beer, and it's going to be tough if you've never been, but to New Glarus in Wisconsin. That's the biggest craft brewery in Wisconsin, and they they keep everything in the state because they don't want to get too greedy and grow out. But uh, they have a
0: raspberry tart ale. We Uh, I love that raspberry tart. Dude, it was delicious. We had somebody bring one down for us to try.
1: And that's what I think this is most comparable to. And when I've given it to family, I just had a cousin in town from Wisconsin this last week. And when she tried it and she had it, she's like, yep.
0: It's nice having something where it's like actually fruited and not like, oh, we put this chemical additive into it to make it taste like raspberry. It's
1: not adjunky. It's not sweet and driven. It's more tart than it is sweet, that's for sure. um, Because raspberries... Are tart. I keep joking around with people that schnozberries taste like schnozberries. Yeah.
2: You okay there, John? I really
0: hate sour beer. Sorry, this, I'm trying this size on right now. I don't even cool, know if I'm saying it right. sour. It's not. I'm cool, just, I'm just kind of a bitch about it. It's <laughs> so and funny too because every,
2: every time we bring one of these beers in, John always wants to put them on the sour handles, and I'm like, they're not sours. Well, that's I, on, <laughs> yeah, it's on that one tap that's not as, sour. As sort of sour men, like in his brain, he always thinks these are sours. Yeah, but okay. that's
1: why we call out farmhouse on the label. Um, because when you get that barnyard funk to a farmhouse versus a saison, is it not from Brett that makes sour? Or am I crazy? Nope, it's not. So farmhouse and saison are interchangeable, but it's dependent on which style. Are you going for a Belgian farmhouse, or are you going for a French saison? Because the French saisons are typically white wine barrel aged, and that's where you get the funk and the bread really? sides. Okay. Whereas a Belgian farmhouse is, you can get like a French saison that's not touched a barrel or anything and that has that barnyard funk but that's what it goes for um sometimes when you go into farmhouse sales you get that bubblegum kind of feel too uh pink peppercorn is where it really comes from Uh, this is just really clean really approachable it's not too heavy on the belgian yeast we use really approachable belgian yeast uh that i really appreciate because i'm a big belgian beer nerd and I think if you really enjoy beer as a whole and as a category, belt like you have to learn everything you want to learn about beer through Belgian beer. Really? Like they are the best brewers in the world. And so for us, we use this really approachable Belgian yeast that you get to enjoy also in Aurabel. And it just makes it not too polarizing. When I go into some accounts and sell this beer, where they're just not familiar with the style farmhouse or saison, i'm just like think about it like it's a souped up blue moon like just put a blue moon on steroids for that because they're not going to know the difference at the end of the day they're going to get that belgian yeast and they're going to think this is very drinkable and
2: very approachable and that's what it is that's hilarious the on steroids analogy has something i use all the time we use with use it with wine People come in and are like, oh, what's this wine? Like I'm like, oh, it's like a Pinot Grigio on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> like on steroids is actually now a term you can just use interchangeable about a lot of things. Yeah, it's supercharged
0: and steroids. Yeah. Same kind of thing, just yep. a massively bigger version of something.
1: But it doesn't drink like it.
0: No, it's very light still. And we really we
1: really made our name here in Arizona with this beer because we have had awesome partners with Upward Projects over the years. And the Postino locations have been featuring this beer for many years. And when you can go get a $5 pitcher of a 7.3% beer (laughs) that is easy to drink in sunlight when it's 100 degrees Mm -hmm. outside, that makes it really approachable. Like, it's way easier to drink this when it's 100 degrees than it is a hoppy IPA. Yeah.
2: I mean, yeah, last thing I want to do is sit outside and drink, like,
0: a big, hazy-ass IPA, like, at a concert outside, like, when it's 90 degrees. Yeah, it's funny though because honestly, like it's summertime here. People come drink stouts in it, and it's probably because they're coming outside from hundred degree weather. They walk in here where it's seventy seventy five, and they go, "Ooh, it's cold as shit in here. I need a stout." Yep. Cause, like our stouts move during summer. Hey, it's always seventy five inside a bar. It's funny how seventy no how hot yeah, it is. It's, it's fu- so it's funny how seventy five during summer is freezing, but during wintertime it's really warm. Same thing. <laughs> exactly.
1: But, it's eighty outside today, and it feels uh, it feels hot. warm. Yeah. yeah. That direct sun, man. But this beer, I've I've grown appreciation for it over the years. Like, it was one of those ones that when I first started, I was like, all right, I, I like farmhouses enough, but uh, this beer, because for the longest time, it was our number one seller here, and it's just, it's good. It's refreshing. Uh, I don't drink it every day, but it's something that when I do drink with lunch, especially if I'm having a sandwich or a salad, like, it is refreshing.
0: It's so one thing about this state is, you know, with everybody who moved out here from like the Midwest, Northeast, Cali, coming down. It's, it's like you you're see, asking for it here. I am. I'm always going to pour you a <laughs> whole pint of clit here right after the show, um, John, yeah, just, and just it. make you chug it. You know what? I might. So with all of them coming here, I've seen IPAs get like more and more rampant and rampant, but still... Because of our heat and time, everybody always still gravitates back towards any form of a light beer along the way. So it's kind of like, cool, we have this huge range of what everybody drinks. And more and more, I've been seeing more people come and go, I just want a beer flavored beer. And clearly that's going to fall into that category of like a farmhouse. ale. That's another thing you said earlier is
2: adjuncts. That's another term you hear more and more and more nowadays, especially with beer, because that's just all the shit they keep throwing in beers. Gotta get it hazy, gotta get the flavor somehow. Like the
0: fucking Spumoni beer we had that's got like pistachios, and I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, dude, all those smoothie sours, some of these, like, the stouts that have nothing but chocolate, cocoa cocoa nibs, coconut, every 75 other things into it. The banana pudding in there right now literally tastes like banana pudding. It's crazy to me. The schnozberries taste like schnozberries. Yep.
1: (laughs) It's all right we experiment with that a little bit ourselves but with the Yeti series it's not we're not doing that in our core beers like we have an, a very intentional lineup of beers where it's like we can do we can give you the base Yeti which is a multi metal winning imperial stout that like is synonymous throughout beer drinkers in the US with imperial stouts and then we're going to do these really fun flavored Yetis yeah that you can try you can go to a you can go to your local liquor store Either pick up a six-pack of Yeti or pick up a big can of
0: a flavored Yeti. Or get both. Or get both. It's nice having multiple different styles, too. You know, it gives you options to drink all day.
2: Now, when you guys started producing Yetis, you might not know this, but... Did you guys just do Yeti first, or were you doing the seasonals in the beginning, or is this a newer thing for the brewery? It was
1: Yeti first. Um, seasonal Yetis probably started back in like 2014. Okay, because so me- it's been
2: a minute. Because but- I remember Yeti was like the one of the pinnacle stouts. Like when Yeti got released, that was a big freaking deal for a lot of people here in town.
1: It was a big. It was it was a big beer at a really affordable price point, and it was a beer that had one between anywhere from 2005 to 2012 I think it meddled at GABF four times so it just it had all the accolades like it was just one of the most respected imperial stouts because it's brewed intentionally to taste like an imperial stout my biggest thing with Yeti and being a beer nerd and kind of knowing too much about beer styles than I should for my own good, (laughs) um, is a roastiness. Like just, you can tell when we brew Yeti that we're using really clean malt, really like dark, bold malt that gives the beer all the flavors that an Imperial Stout should. It gives it that dark chocolate, it gives it that coffee, like it's bitter we dry hop Yeti because Imperial stouts are supposed to be bitter. That's what categorically, they're not supposed to be sugar bombs. Like they're supposed to be bitter, big beers. And, uh, that's why, that's why Yeti is just a really great representative, but all the, all the Yetis over the year have always have become really fun. I
2: mean, you guys make a lot of different ones now, but
1: six, seven, eight, we do six a year now. So we have four seasonal. They rotate every year. And then we have two special release, Mexican chocolate and horchata that comes out in the fall and Mexican chocolate in the spring. And then we do barrelage. What is this one we're having? This is the chocolate raspberry. raspberry, yeah. Chocolate raspberry. It's funny because
0: it's been sitting here. And while it's still a little cold, I mean, you don't really get the raspberry on the nose because it hasn't moved. But oh, you no. get all those rich maltiness that you were talking about. The
1: chocolate always comes out on the nose on any Yeti that you're drinking. It's awesome. My favorite Yeti that we've done throughout the years is Mexican Chocolate Yeti, and same thing. The chocolate
0: just like screams on the nose, and mm-hmm. then you get all the Mexican spices. Tastes with like it. this actually. So sometimes I like tasting things because it brings a memory back more than it does like certain flavors. When I was in Canada. There's this place. Uh, they sell these, and they might be down and out. It's like this chocolate thing with the little marshmallow graham cracker, and right in the center of it, it's just like raspberry piece. Is exactly what that tastes like. I would love to find those one day.
1: Yep, the Mexican chocolate will be next. Uh, that'll be here in a couple weeks, and you guys will be getting a keg of that as well.
0: I was thinking it was my thought was the peppermint one that you guys just oh, the had. The peppermint, yeah, because yeah, I was like it was winter time, and I was like, which one was that one? It was the peppermint. It was fantastic. That
1: was one of I was really really impressed with it because uh peppermint is a very polarizing flavor that can scare a lot of people off but for the peppermint bark yeti, it tasted like an andy's mint which is something i've always enjoyed i it's like, like the little green like, one you get on the, pillows little green one yeah. on the pillows or like a york peppermint patty where it's like chocolate first and then the peppermint comes on the backside. like it was like refreshing company
0: makes those I've, I, I've never seen them anywhere beyond a hotel just go to olive garden sneak in oh. <laughs> in the middle of the night and just Problem. bread stri- bread Breadsticks and all the green peppermints. That's right. I'm sure you could go on and Amazon salad. and just find out like a bag of 9,000 of them yep. right now. Or like a dollar store. Don't old
1: people shop at dollar stores? Dollar trees?
2: Yeah, I think they're now dollar fifty trees. Yeah, well. <laughs> Damn inflation. <laughs> I think inflation caught up with them recently. <laughs> $2 store. <laughs> Everyone. Jesus. So, so at what point did you realize you wanted to be a beer guy? Because I know when I went to college they you had to pick a career and you had to be do you want to go to engineering you want to be a teacher do you want to be this there was no course program to be the wine guy <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. and and you're very passionate about beer and i think you found your career choice of whatever direction you're going to go whether however long you stay with great divide or own your own at what point did you say you know what this is where i want want to be
1: it's funny because actually when i was in college at arizona state which is why i hate u of a sorry to any wildcats listening uh there no, was don't, a, don't apologize to the wild uh, no, 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 it's all about beat, all, it's beat, beat, beat,
2: beat that kitty yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: sorry not sorry uh but uh they chose there, to go they, to, <laughs> to tucson <laughs> that's right could have just kept going guys Could've we really can't i could
0: honestly we could have an entire like 10 minutes of just shitting on u of a right now uh, beautiful <laughs> i would love that
1: uh so there was a course at asu that was a beer education course uh, i did not take it but i did study abroad in ireland uh, when I was 21 and the instructor for the beer course was on the study abroad trip. And so he was very passionate and very excited about it. I'd always known that I liked beer, uh, when I was like 16, 17, sorry for putting for like putting myself out there. I mean, we've all drank beer when we were 16, 17, I did drink craft like at house parties and everything. Like I was a kid showing up to a party with a six pack of Guinness. Like, ready to drink I that.
0: that. So I was going to ask what you define as craft back then. Back then, yep. Because, like, our high school parties was... It's Arizona. It's Natty Ice, Coors whatever. But if you were the guy who bought Rolling Rock, you were the cool kid. Like, oh, really cool shit, kid? Rolling New- Rock. I drove at Newcastle. Newcastle, yeah. Or, or Sierra S- Torpedo? S- Sammy or? Smith's. Yeah. Those were like the craft beers yeah. of, oh, cause Yeah, I remember our senior year, somebody had gotten a blue moon and everybody was blown away. Like, what is, what is this? A, you put an orange
2: this? into it? With <laughs> a
0: cherry wheat from Sam Adams.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: I drank I a lot of Guinness when I was younger. And then when I turned 21, I moved on to Stone, Arrogant Bastard, Rogue Dead Guy, yep. and drank some Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. And that was really my introductory. And then when I moved to Ireland there was the instructor of the beer class at ASU who was on the trip and one of the instructors and he was kind of like doing beer education for guys on the side, like we'd go to pubs and he would talk to us about it. I found a local brewery over there that I really loved and would go to frequently. And then when I came home and I started bartending, I just really continued to pick up an appreciation for it. And right after college, cause I got my degree in education and I knew right away that I didn't want to be a teacher uh, I started in nonprofits because I was working for nonprofits when I was overseas in Ireland. And I thought that's what I really wanted to do. But I moved to San Diego and I started to work for nonprofits over there. And this was like 2013, and then into 2014, 2015. And that's when the boom of craft beer was happening, and San Diego was a home for it. Yeah. So, like my local dive bar, I could get a picture of OG Sculpin for like $10. Dang. So like, I just like naturally started to drink way more craft and uh, I just fell in love with it. And after a couple of years of working in nonprofits, I was like, well, like this is really difficult because it's really straining on the heart uh, more than anything, especially when you're 24, 25 years old, you didn't make very much money. I'm like, well, I'm just going to go work in something that I love and I'm going to do it and actually make money doing it. So I moved back to Phoenix uh, and started working at breweries and bars and working my way up. And as ever day one when I moved back, I was like, I want to go sell beer. Like That's what I want to do. I don't want to be a bartender. I don't want to do anything like that. But it took me about three and a half
0: years, four years till I got a point where I got offered a job. It kind of sounds like going back to you getting a teaching degree. I have the same kind of thought where I love... Teaching people about wine, I love to sit. I like to do our tastings. I like to tell people about it and kind of see them like, "Oh shit, that's why this tastes like this." You know, you hear you explaining how much you love your beer. You know, why you taught us this, why beers are made this way, is like where your passion is. Sounds like you would be great as that beer teacher at ASU. Like at some point, sometime like you're gonna be the beer 101 and like the 404 guy. Yep, and
1: I I do love the education aspect of it. Um, I. Back in the day, before there was a craft beer bar on every neighborhood corner, like we're so fortunate to have now in Phoenix, yeah. Mill Avenue used to be like the hub of craft beer in Phoenix. And there was a world of beer yep. that I really was, just like, saying, was the home yeah. of it. And I used to teach beer school every Wednesday night at World of Beer when I was like a 25 year old punk kid. Dude, and go, like man. these 40 year old guys would come in and learn about beer from the 25 I love it, dude. That's fantastic.
0: Kid. Dude, I wonder if I ever saw you because I would go to World of Beer and I remember my friends and I would go in there, and it was like forty fucking pages of beer. I'd Be like, all right, pick a number between one and thirty. All right, twenty. All right, pick a number between one and fifty on the page, and you just—that's the beer you would drink. We yep. would go do that. The downside was if you were the guy who got like the delirium quadruple thirty-dollar yep. thing, and as a college student, you'd be broke on one beer. You're broke on it, but you're drunk on that. It was one so beer. good. <laughs> you were drunk. Dude, on it was too. fun to like do that. You were done. It didn't make it too. It was too far ahead of its time. I think.
2: I think World of Beer would make it now. But oh yeah. And even before that, there was a place called Timberwolf that was out here. It Mm -hmm. opened on Apache in like the mid '90s. Oh damn! And it was they had like 80 beers on tap. If you drank all their beers, you got like some special prize. Yada yada yada. And it was all crafty stuff. And this was
0: like late '90s. Same thing lasted about five six years and on the other one I think also helped too. Granted it was more uh, not like crazy craft beer, but kind of got it. it was uh yard house. Yardhouse was yeah. kinda right after World of Beer and like, at the same time, but I, I remember our friends would always go there and run through flights like crazy on that place. I was really And then break the yard they can be charged fifty dollars for the
1: fucking <laughs> <Exactly>. thing. <laughs> I was really fortunate too that when I first got into beer I had a uh, really strong mentors out here in Arizona. I got introduced to some of the best people that worked in beer, uh, worked closely with Nick Nitz, who owns uh, Lucky's Indoor Outdoor. Yeah,
2: he, he's here regularly. He's got a sweet mullet right now. <laughs> yeah. He's... Oh, that's Nick. <laughs> Nick, Nick, Nick was uh, Rich's roommate. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Nick, Nick was in here. He's been, because Rich is in town. Oh, okay. So So Nick's, Nick, Nick's been here meeting him almost every night. Yep.
1: So got to work with Nick very closely, and he's from Michigan, and just has been a craft beer fanatic since the time he was... 16, 17, uh, worked with Zach Fowle, who's the head of marketing over at Four Peaks. And I believe still to this date, the only level three Cicerone here in Arizona, uh, Doc Osborne at Petal House, like just had some of the best people and the most knowledgeable people more than anything in craft beer here in Phoenix area, uh, teaching me when I was 24, 25 and willing to put together Because when I was doing the beer school, it was really fun because I knew how to put together, like, a lesson plan, essentially. You went to school for education. Yeah. And So I was working with (laughs) these guys. I was working with these guys, and I was like, what should I – like, oh, I'm doing a Pilsner class tonight, like – or I'm doing a Porter class. How should I explain the difference between a Baltic Porter and, like, a Brown Porter and this and that? Like, what should I use as examples of it? So I was really fortunate that I got to work with – with uh, some old school beer guys, I had an old school beer rep in Jackie Powers, who was always highly knowledgeable on Mill Avenue back in the day, and she would be more than happy to share her wealth of knowledge with me. So, very very lucky that when I was as young as I was, I got into it and like just kind of put in the time over the years. It's good that I you feel had like teachers I,
0: that help push you too, like totally. like you didn't get like the ugh I'm just doing this progression the kind of thing, but somebody that actually inspired to be like all right cool like. You know get out there learn what you like and move forward and now here you are you know repping great divide yeah it's
1: i mean it's it's classic that's what it is there's in today's beer industry it's it's difficult at times because there's always something new and there's always something cool and it's not always cool to be the classic but for me as a beer fan and for you guys as beer drinkers and beer buyers you appreciate this just as much.
0: I I always do appreciate when you come in, especially because you have yet to ever bring a seltzer in. That's always great. <laughs> hey, you're welcome. I have
1: a seltzer, but I just
0: don't tell <laughs> you my do. bosses. <laughs> Don't tell my bosses. <laughs> of course you have a seltzer. And edit this one out. Yeah, that's chopped <laughs> and cut right there. I have a seltzer. I I, just, and by the way, I meant when you didn't bring a seltzer and you brought it in and we were just like, no. Yeah, don't. I hope my bosses don't listen to this <laughs> and didn't
1: hear about how I've never uh, brought the seltzer in to yeah. it sell. It sells at Sprouts, and I'm super fortunate there for that. There you go, dude. You yeah. got, you got the big market. We don't,
2: we don't sell a lot of seltzer. Yeah.
1: No. I'm happy that gotta, Sprouts supports it. They are fantastic about supporting craft. Uh, they're probably one of the best grocery stores in Arizona when it comes to supporting craft and smaller. And they could have, like, Albertson Safeway and Fry's, a hundred different SKUs from White Claw and uh, Truly and all those other. But when you go to Sprouts, you see two or three craft seltzers, and you're like, oh, if I'm going to get a seltzer for a pool party, it's great to have a craft one that, like, like, uh, maybe not
2: everyone's heard of. It's true. It's actually the only grocery store that I actually will buy beer from sprouts sprouts yeah because they have a good little beer selection it's pretty tight it's like
1: they do a great job rotating it um shout out karen Martinez. she's awesome she's just like she's a beer buyer for sprouts a lot of times when you deal with chain beer buyers they're not interested in the quality of the product she takes everything home and drinks (laughs) it she (laughs) loves it so yeah well,
0: that was a fun moonwalk back to oh, the recovery on that. that was great. <laughs> yeah. Get it, get out there, dude. So I poured, I poured this one out, and for half a second, I thought I had poured the wrong beer. It looks like a hazy. <laughs> I've oh, never seen yeah. a hazy Belgian.
1: It's, it's not truly hazy. I think maybe because you were moving it around a little bit. The yeast got I did. I
0: move. I did move the, the keg. to keg the, the keg around a little bit. Okay. John, but... John
2: just can't tap a keg. He needs to like go back and work out, throw it above his head, do some squats beforehand. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. I'm more afraid the, of getting sprayed in the face again. With some of these <laughs> damn like these these PET ones, if you do it just wrong, you get a side blast of. Oh, I smith- took I
2: took one to the face the other day. pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I got the same w- one. Was, at was the it end. beer? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, was it yeah. beer? It was a smoothie sour. It it was the great blueberry de- muffin. Great notion, blueberry muffin sour. Oh, boy. oh, I came walking out of the back and I was covered.
1: Those this- things have so much sugar in them that the second like you allow any oxygen, like you release it, just- it, it just like is
0: yeah there's been a like few like it's ready those. it's combustible or the once in every let's say you know 500 cakes where they somebody clearly cleans it but forgets to put the ring back into it so when you tap it down it just sprays out the side <laughs> I've which taken is a weird nope. shower
1: yep in the day but when i was a beer buyer there weren't hazy ipas or smoothie sours <laughs> or anything yeah. like that it was barrel aged west coast it was lagers and wheats yep. and so i didn't mind smelling like uh like Union Jack for the rest of my
0: show. I, I was going to say, Troy came out soaking wet one time because one of the things didn't stop spraying at him and he couldn't figure it out, like, how to stop it because he had had the thing still down. I, I'm literally laughing my ass off this whole time. I was like, what happened? He goes, I don't know. Just oh, let it man. happen.
1: There's uh, Goldwater up the street. They're good friends of ours. Yeah. Goldwater Brewing Company. We just, just did, did a, a couple really releases with them. with them. Yeah. They're really great people. They've got an Instagram page uh, that's, like, for fans of the brewery. Yeah. And it is basically just mess ups that happen at the brewery that their security cameras get on oh, tape.
2: Yeah, no, I've, I know that Instagram page. It's, it's, like, it's like a hidden one, though. It's like a private one. Yeah. It's amazing,
1: though. Like if you, can... you see it, like them removing like a fob on a bright
2: tank no. and the tank
1: just sh- no. like... <laughs> In their face, Sh-
2: Sean was showing me, yeah, like break dancing videos of them like seven o'clock in the morning, like hammered after brewing, like start break dancing like a bunch of bearded big dudes, like, awesome. spinning spinning in circles on the ground. Oh, they're yes.
1: they're the best people, and that fa- they're just family. We had seven of them up in Denver in January, and man, did I have the time of my life with those guys! Yeah, did you got you did a collab at
0: not just Goldwater brew,
1: did they come up to you as well? So we originally did a collab up in Denver with them uh, that came out here in February called It's a Bit Nippy IPA. And That's, that's when they did up, mm-hmm. up in Denver. That's what we did up in Denver. Cool. And then they just released Kevin IPA a couple weeks ago out of their tap rooms. That's where our brewers came down and brewed here. So who's Kevin? Kevin is Kavik. None of us. It might be Quake. It might be Kavik. Yeah, it's uh. a yeast. So none of us knew uh, how to say the name of the yeast, and we're like, oh, we're just going to call it Kevin. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, In Arizona. That's, essentially, you know what, what it, it. that's, that's essentially how
1: it happened. We're just like, we're going to call it Kevin IPA. All
0: right. All right. All right. Yeah, dude, that was that, – uh, we had the It's a Bit Nippy on for a while. Dude, it was great, cool little cold IPA.
1: It was, a, it was a really fun collab. I was really impressed with it. A lot of those cold IPAs, that's a new cool kid style <laughs> – um, they're just basically glorified IPLs. So I was really glad we brewed a traditional West coast style or West coast recipe came in at seven and a half percent and just used that cold yeast. So it was, really...
2: it was called a cold IPA. What makes it a cold IPA? Brewing it with cold yeast. Okay. So
1: I'm, you're now my lifeline. When I go on, who wants to be a millionaire and I need a beer <laughs> lifeline, I'm calling you. Hey, if I don't know, I'm going to call a Ben Van Amir of the world, or I'm going to call right. Doc Osborne's of the world. And find out from them. Oh,
2: I'm I'm literally people's lifeline for wine. I mean, there's a bunch of psalms in town. Every time they have a question, they text me. But yep. I don't know. I know a lot about beer, but as a general rule, I don't know shit compared to like. Well, until, that
0: you know, he walks in here and starts talking about things. And it's nice. Not like now that, you know, as many times you come in here. Now I know you're. I already knew you were knowledgeable, but it's like, holy shit, you really know your stuff now. He has a degree. I yeah. just try not to.
1: I, when I was younger, I was much more braggy about it, like much more uh, excited to share yeah. my knowledge with people. Now, uh, now that I've been around and been doing it for a minute, I just really I like soaking up knowledge. Yeah, that's like been my biggest takeaway over the years: is continuing to learn the things I don't know.
0: It's like endless. Like, kind of like the beer supply that's coming to our fucking place right, yeah. Jesus, I've seen People like that around. poor dude has been coming in for like five minutes dropping beers off. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> great job. So no man, this is this has been great. All the beers have uh, th- been. Th-
2: they're raw awesome. beers from Cali.
0: Oh, perfect. The you Cali both. S- S- you S- both. What do you
2: call middle Cali? Mid Cal. Uh,
1: Central Coast, Central Coast, or Central.
0: Where is the cutoff? I'm so like I could assume South or SoCal is San Diego and LA, but like, what if you're Santa Barbara? Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara is kind of what's the what's Pismo, Carmel. Pismo,
1: like once you're up that way, like you're more Central Coast. Right, uh, Cal, Poly. Cal Poly, that's got to oh, okay. be n- well, no, no that's made. Pismo.
0: So San Francisco and North is NorCal? Because they always called the girls that used to I hang would, out in Pismo uh, uh, poly dollies.
1: I would say like Monterey is once you get in North. Like once you're past Big Sur, you're in North. So Salinas is NorCal? Yeah, I would say so. Salinas is an interesting city like, at best. S- San Jose is NorCal. Yeah. But like once you're in... Once trees, like trees and red redwoods... What about Santa Cruz? Santa
2: Cruz is probably NorCal. NorCal. Yeah. All right. All right. So we just got a shipment in from NorCal. Perfect. We got, what we did got you get from Calvary. Santa
1: Cruz, humble sea. Oh, nice. Straight out of California. That'll be fun. I have a friend get. I have friends getting married. They own uh, another bar here in town in Santa Cruz this this uh, fall, and I'm super looking forward to. I'm going to take like a week and a half off and do a trip up the coast and go drink in everywhere in California. <laughs> <laughs> everywhere. I'm going to go to the all the every bars. That's. Awesome. I'm going to start out in San Diego with my dog and. Yeah, I just drink a bunch of Sport in society, and then kind of work my way up the coast. Dude, that's awesome because it's camp out in Big Sur. Yeah,
0: fun. it's yeah, everything about that sounds absolutely amazing.
1: That's what I told myself. I'm like, just hopping in the car alone and do it with the dog and take a week out of it.
2: It's always crazy the vacations that beer and wine people take because your vacations are probably similar to ours. You go and you visit breweries, like we take vacations, we visit wineries. Yeah
1: yeah i'm i'm not a huge brewery like tour kind of person or anything like that like i've seen brew, beer get i brewed beer i've seen beer get brewed a hundred times I'm like all right no matter how big your system is or anything like that i get it i will i will just like i know how we will, make beer i, I say, just like, want yeah. to show up and have a couple beers yeah and i'm not like the kind of person that's going to show up and order a flight i'm just gonna be like all right we're gonna i'm gonna be here for the next two hours like give me your four best beers over the
0: next two hours. I genuinely, as what, if I go to a winery, I don't like when people sit down and tell me, Oh, here's the tasting notes. Here's where we picked at. This comes from this area. Like, and it's not, it's kind of pretentious and maybe like overly ridiculous, but I I just like to talk to the person at the bar and let me drink what I'm going to try my way through. I don't always care what happened to it because I kind of already know. And I get that they're trying to sell something and do whatever, but sometimes it's just fun to just sit there and be like, I'm going to go through your flight and do
1: my own thing. Because for you guys, you know what you like now when it comes to wine. Like, I know what I like when it comes to beer. You're not going to give me some Hefeweizen that I'm going to be like, oh, this is amazing. I want to drink it. I just know I don't like hefs. Like, you can make a really great half And if I was getting paid to have to buy your half, then I could tell you, you make a really great half. But I'm not going to sit down at your bar and order Hef or order like <laughs> something that I don't like. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to order your West Coast IPAs. I'm going to order your Pilsners, your Lagers, your Sours. And that's pretty much it. And if you tell me you've got a great ale, I'll give that a
0: go. Have you had one where you finally got to a place and you're like, yeah, I'm going to try this. And it absolutely blew you away. And you're like, holy shit, I can't believe how good this was.
1: Every time I'm at Beachwood. Really? Beachwood Brewing Company. Out of Long Beach. I heard a rumor um, they're
2: coming out here at some point.
1: Hopefully. I mean, I'd be pretty excited about been, it. There's
2: been some talk of the business about them they're, possibly coming out here and, like,
1: being available. Uh, I've had some of their... The blendery, their sours, are just awesome. So, hey, that's they're, good to know. they're one... Um, every time I go to Firestone Walker. Really? Like they always have great... Uh, typically, I'm at the Propagator in uh, L.A., And they just always make fantastic beer. Dang. Like, they're just really good at it. Their sours are always really great. Even some of their barrel-aged stuff. I don't drink a lot of barrel-aged beers. um, But their barrel-aged stuff can always be really great.
0: So, Dude, that's good. And that's definitely a place i got to go pop through. Because I think I see them in Paso Robles. Paso Robles, yeah. yeah.
1: That's one of the stops on my trip. I'm going to do Paso Robles in the morning. Because I've never done Paso Robles. Like, I haven't really driven through Central Coast. So I am going to do Paso Robles and then camp that night in Big Sur.
2: If you want to see some wineries, let me know. Yeah. Yeah, I might. I, I got to be
1: dog friendly cuz I'm taking um, my 8-year-old oh, black oh, so lab they're, with they're me. Oh,
2: they're they're probably everything friendly. Sexton's super like dog friendly. Like his dogs are always at that winery. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah, the uh, I'm taking my 8-year-old black
1: lab with me and going to just like oh, hang nice. out on the coast with her all all week, so I'm super excited. Long trip? Yeah, make it like a week and a half two weeks maybe to drive all Cali to do the coast. Yeah. And then my, my sister lives up in Monterey. So go hang out with them and just really enjoy it. In my mind, I was thinking this was going to take a month, but (laughs) I was like, damn, unfortunately not a month. That would be, that'd be really nice. I can't leave you guys for a month. I can't quit you for a month. (laughs) I can't quit you. (laughs)
0: Dude, this was fantastic, man. He
2: just pulled some of Rick, Rick Astley shit he, on he us. He did. He's like, "I'm never gonna give you up. Never gonna let you down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always gonna be around, hanging at your bar, putting beer
1: That's down. A, where else would I go?" It's fair.
2: So we actually never introduced them. Uh, by the way, today on the show, we have Tyler Tanner. Oh, officially <laughs> uh, the longest <laughs> introduction ever. Only took an hour. Uh, area manager, regional manager for Great Divide Brewing. Uh, very yeah. happy to have him on the phone. Probably going to retire
0: uh, as a teacher somewhere teaching people about
1: beer. Somewhere. If somebody could pay me. That's a goal. Maybe like SDSU. If somebody with connections to San Diego State is listening right now and they want a beer educator,
0: I will go to school. Beer Education 101. Yeah, there
2: yeah. we go. Dude, that's fantastic.
0: Damien, you got anything else you want to say, man? No,
2: I mean, honestly, you guys make great beers. You already know that. Like They speak for themselves. I just appreciate the fact that you have so many different styles that are done well. Yeah,
1: yeah. I appreciate it, guys. And I appreciate the sport. This is really fun. I'd love to do this more with
0: you. Dude, I mean, we can always do more. You guys keep making more beers, and we'll keep doing this. We'll keep
1: this. doing that. We'll hold up our
0: end of the bargain. Yeah, have a fun time on your trip, and I'll some pictures, that's and we'll discuss right. it next time. I'll
1: bring some beers back. Dude, and we can it. crack those open and talk about them.
0: Sweet. Thanks, Tyler, man. Appreciate you being here. Uh, obviously, thanks, everybody, for listening. And hopefully see you around. Come down and snag some great Divide beers from us sometime. Yeah,
2: go visit the brewery up in Denver. Uh, what, one's in Rhino?
0: Yep.
1: We're in, we've got a tap room in Rhino and then right downtown in Arapaho, two blocks from Coors Field. We're going to have baseball back here real soon. Heck, yeah. Go full, watch a Rockies game. Full and, season
2: and everything.
0: Yep. Woo. Mm, Sports ball. (laughs) (laughs) Batty, hitty, swingy ball thingy. Good job, guys. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, Love you guys. Take care. Thanks.